two o'clock on a Monday. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, both in town, working out one final time before the draft on Thursday. Will Michael Jordan play a big part in deciding who is going to be that number two overall pick, or will he leave Mitch Kupchak to it for one final time? As he is the lead governor and say, hey, hands off, man. Mitch, you got it. You get to pick between Scoot and Brandon. We'll see what happens from there. We've talked about what we expect to see from these workouts. I, I didn't expect it to be so quiet, the initial Brandon Miller workout. Sure. Because what I expected was everybody was going to be raving about what the Thompson twins did. Everyone was going to be raving about what Scoot did. And then everyone was going to be raving about what Brandon Miller did. But really, we only got one, Wes. It was really only people raving about Scoot. You could say that was agent-driven, which, of course, I hope every agent is out there driving as much of a emphasis on, hey, the workout went in a fantastic way. Mm-hmm. But Gavoni didn't have anything to say about the Thompson Twins or Brandon Miller. I didn't really hear anybody say Brandon Miller came in and just destroyed it all. But they are going to have both of these guys in once again. And we we know that Scoot is a phenomenal workout type of guy because the explosiveness, the athleticism – It's going to pop out at you, and it's going to be tough to not be in awe of this person just slamming it home, showing the explosiveness. All of that is going to be workout prone. It's it's going to be it's going to you know be really exciting. But with Brandon Miller, we know how good he is with the tape that he put together. His lone year at Alabama, he went from a McDonald's All American to first team All American in college basketball. And I know you like pedigree. Scoot has it too. But he didn't have the accolades in college like Brandon does. What say you on just how much of a fast track this might provide and how much of a say this all has in him being a legitimate star? Well, one of the reasons why I like things like that and I pondered the question is because I think it's a lot to be said of expectation. And I think a lot of people rise to the occasion when they have expectations and a lot of people falter. And so I think that when a kid comes in, McDonald's All-American, especially at a school like Alabama that doesn't get a ton of them, heavy expectations, and then he comes out and performs to those, goes and becomes a first-team All-American. I think there's a lot to be said of a player who comes in, understands the expectations, and performs to them. Now, we know that NCAA tournament wasn't quite what he expected as far as how that went, but there were a lot of intangibles I felt like that played into that as well. Now, when you look at a little bit of data here during a 20-year stretch from 1993 to 2012, 42% of McDonald's All-Americans played fewer than 25 career NBA games, and only 39 of those 469 players, which is about 8.3%, made more than one NBA All-Star game. So even if you kind of project it to now, it's still not a very high percentage of guys that come in and become NBA All-Stars. But I think that this kid coming in, he's showing you already that the expectations don't necessarily make him play lesser than the player that he is. And so I like that going for him, and I like players like that. Uh, we've, we've seen it in multiple sports, just the kid that comes in. We have it right here at quarterback at Bryce Young. This is a kid who certainly – expectations don't make him wilter. He understood the assignment at Alabama when he came in as a very highly touted prospect, and he won a Heisman Trophy there. Number one pick doesn't look to be too shook uh, about his expectations here from what we've already seen. So I think for a cat like Brandon Miller, that's definitely a quality that I like in a kid to know that 
they know the pressure, the smoke, so to speak, that's going to come with being who they were at their last stop. And then they come to the next stop and just continue to further that reputation. Well, the, the pre-draft process, too, the interviews are reportedly not going well for Brandon Miller. Sure. We know the workouts aren't as strong as Scoot. The interviews are crazy strong for Scoot. I know you've been an intangible guy. And I usually, I mean, I like it. I want these guys to do well in their interviews. But everyone is just raving about how this dude is right here, right now, a grown-up. And it's interesting, too. I heard Bill Simmons talk about this on his latest podcast, discussing maybe even a Donovan Mitchell coming into the league. There have been some comparisons to him because of how small they are. Combo guard. Donovan has worked out in the NBA. <laughs> Very much so. Charlotte Hornets fans can attest to that. But even with Donovan Mitchell, his shooting percentage leaving Louisville was okay from deep. But remember, we, we can't grade on the same level because Donovan Mitchell was also an older prospect when he was leaving the Cardinals program. And when he first stepped into their program, his shooting percentage wasn't good. But he kept working at it, and then Donovan got to be a better player from deep. Scoot Henderson's percentages are going up, but the guy's still only 19 years old. It's still crazy to think about how young this guy is and already just how considered a grown-up. I think if you, if you value culture change type of intangibles from a certain player, there's a pretty clear winner in that regard. No, it does not mean that Brandon Miller is going to be so much worse than Scoot at the next level. It doesn't mean that at all. But if you buy into some type of culture change, some type of personality, and you value what each of them bring with the intangible side of things, you can't look anywhere else but Scoot at number two here. And Brandon Miller just doesn't have that going about him right now. I wonder how much that matters to Charlotte, especially if he is impressing as much as he is in interviews. Uh, I think it should if it does not, because I think this is the locker room I've long felt has been devoid of of a real presence in there, a real guy that that guys look to and rally around. I know they have had and do have veterans on that roster, but I just felt that there were times where they could have used a bit of a kick in the butt for uh, lack of a better phrase. And I think they needed more players to hold each other accountable. I felt like they liked each other too much to really, really get on each other to get the most out of one another in certain situations, especially when you saw reoccurring things, reoccurring themes happening a lot. So when you talk about Scoot in those respects, and if he can eventually bring that to the team, I think that is something that definitely has high value. Uh, Bradley Blanks wrote in, Bryce Young equals Scoot Henderson, C.J. Stroud equals Brandon Miller. Do you like that comparison? You said Scoot Henderson. No, because, uh, well, I guess if you want to compare size, but then as far as skills, when you talk about a quarterback, Bryce could do everything you want a quarterback to do. Scoot Henderson does have tons of game. Don't get me wrong with that. But the shooting is definitely something uh, that's I'm not going to say lacking because I know he's been working at it. And we'll see how it goes once he gets in the league. But it's something that still leaves a lot to be desired to this point until we see more. Whereas Bryce Young, we knew from a quarterback aspect, everything you want to see from a quarterback was already there. There was no questions about that. Well, here's another interesting point, too, from Bradley. He wrote in, they say Scoot is 6'2", but he can still grow. We got a report, and this is both coming from Portland uh, yeah. and, Charlotte, and Charlotte's uh, um, workouts, both of them. If you have both of these teams writing in that Scoot Henderson is actually right at 6'4 with shoes on, which you play in shoes, and it was when he was given a 6'2 height, that was also in shoes, just to be clear. But if he's 6'4 and he's already 19 years old too, you see some of these weird 
um, growth spurts from some of these younger guys that come into the NBA. Paul George is one I think of immediately. When he was drafted, it was like 6'7", I think, something like that, 6'8". And then he got to 6'10 and became one of the best players in the NBA. Which, uh, the rumor, did you see about LaMelo? I did. Thank, <laughs> you, thank you for bringing this up. I looked for any any verification that would leave me a little more comfortable with that report. Uh-huh. Couldn't find it. But yes, tell the people what rumor you're talking about. Yeah, the rumor is going around, I guess, and it came out, it was on Twitter, that Miles Bridges, uh, of all people, said that LaMelo is now seven feet. Uh, (laughs) The only thing that made me kind of somewhat buy into it is I know that men can grow kind of into their early 20s, but I did look it up scientifically. I think they said the growth plates stop at like 21, 22. But I do know guys can take spurts, like you said, Paul George, so then you look at Melo, I was like, man, if he took that kind of spur, that would be absolutely insane. Well, and so what, what is what it's much more believable to expect that maybe LaMelo grew another two inches and now he's six, nine because miles, I think the report out there, the rumor was, oh no, he's a legit seven feet for real. And it's like, okay, he might look seven foot, but if he grew even a couple of inches, now you're talking about a six, nine point guard. Maddox Johnson is who we're talking about in that realm. Yeah. Six, nine point guard coming in. That would be crazy. If, if scoot grew to six, four and LaMelo grew to six, nine, all of a sudden, it's not really a problem, the height in the backcourt anymore, if that happens. But also even just drafting Brandon Miller. And if you have Brandon Miller playing some two, two six nine guys, even six nine, six seven, let's say LaMelo didn't grow a centimeter. Six nine and six seven, having Brandon Miller in the backcourt, that is a long one and two out there in the NBA. Now they said that forward Miles Bridges confirmed a rumor that LaMelo Ball yeah. went through a gross hurt. Now let's just you know, we like to go alternate universe here on Wes and Walker. Let's just say that uh, LaMelo Ball does come back at seven feet. What, what would you think about that? Can we even go like 6'9", six, 6'10"? Six, is that Oh, I want to go seven. Oh, man. That's what the rumor is. The then, rumor has it. Are, are you telling me that we have Wimby? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we get the Wimby we were looking for? That's That would be great. That would be, I don't know what would have happened for the Charlotte Hornets to have their fortunes turn around 180 degrees. But if we miss out on Wimby, but instead grow our own in LaMelo. That'd be a five-inch growth spurt. And still get Scoot Henderson. Yeah, so much to the point where he's not going to be seven feet. Man. But if he's 6'9 or 6'10, I'm trying to get the realistic thing here. You're asking for too much. What I if mean, he grows to eight foot? I mean, the man said, <laughs> I'm not even lying. And they said that this was a rumor that he went through a growth spurt. And I guess the spurt was... People were saying that he's seven feet, so we'll see. I'm I'm gonna put money down. I just I can't get you guys that excited. I can't. But <laughs> if you want to sell me that he actually grew just a couple of inches, then that would be fantastic. Scoot growing a couple of inches, even Brandon Miller coming in, being so tall. Size isn't nearly as much of a problem in the backcourt anymore for the Charlotte Hornets, and that would be really exciting. Now, chances that they draft Scoot. The odds are very much flipping into Scoot's favor, by the way. I know you read into some Vegas odds a decent amount. Mm -hmm. Scoot is like minus 125 now. Okay. Brandon is, I think, plus 110. Okay. I believe that's what I saw. I can still look it up and we can correct this during the break. Just some house cleaning. 
does that sway you that Scoop might be the favorite? And what do you think the odds are still that they might trade somebody um, like a going after Brandon Ingram or whoever else, maybe a Jalen Brown if Boston's so inclined? I think a trade could still be in the works, but I definitely put stock into Vegas odds with him being that heavy of a favorite right now. Obviously, they know something. They don't put stuff like that out there for no reason. So I'm going to buy into that, uh, but we'll see. But again, I do think that there's something to be said for that. Well, and we saw this with Orlando right at the last second. It was odds starting to shift towards Paolo mm-hmm. Boncaro. So it was Jabari for a long time. That's what everybody was saying. And then last second, it was shifted to Paolo. I, how much weight do you think this last workout is going to carry? I mean, because it's essentially an audition, right? It's essentially, all right, we like both of you. If, if Scoot has a better workout and better interview, or if Brandon has the better workout and the brand, and the better interview, is this basically the icing on the cake? All right, we're done making our decision two days out. We've got the last bit of evidence to go one way or the other. It feels like this carries a lot of weight, Wes. Yeah, I think it does. And I think, you know, Scoot is probably adept at additions. I don't know if he had to audition for the role in uh, Shooting Stars, man. But uh, obviously, he aced that one. So he might ace this Did one he ace it? This weekend. You yeah, tell he me did. because you got to he see Shooting He did a good Stars. job, man. I saw Shooting Stars, the, the movie, the LeBron James movie about him and his crew. And they come up, man. And, and I learned a lot of things. I didn't know there was a big deal between him choosing St. Vincent to St. Mary and, and those kids because they have been winning since they were young. I didn't know that it was a big deal in the black community for them that they didn't go to. I think it was called Bucktool or something like that. Uh, but it was just like really they went good. to Cranbrook. They went to a private school. Right, right, right. And then uh, the kid that played LeBron, uh, he was really good as well. I thought it was a great movie. My son and I watched it. I mean, really good basketball movie. I feel like I put that not necessarily in the pantheon, but it's definitely one of the best uh, basketball movies that I have seen. So I enjoyed it a bit. And then I didn't even know until I talked to you this morning, it didn't even register to me that Scoot Henderson uh, was actually in the movie and acting in the movie as well. So And playing Romeo Travis. He was the outsider that comes in, transfers in. And if you watched uh, more than a game, the documentary, the real documentary about St. Vincent, St. Mary's, LeBron James, and that high school team, that was it was Romeo Travis transferring in, outsider at first, not really gelling with the squad, but then eventually he became a real part and an OG with them, and so that's who Scoot was playing. Yeah, and then the kid that played LeBron, Marquise Mookie Cook, you schooled me up on him as well, Oregon basketball recruit, he was dope, but it was just the way it was done, the production of it, man, it was just really well done by LeBron and the Spring Hill crew, so as I said, if Scoot is able to, and if he had to audition for that role, he's already good at passing auditions anyway. So this there you would go. definitely be one of those. But I think it does uh, hold a lot of weight because a lot of people talk about first impressions, but lasting impressions go a long way too, especially when there's a decision on the horizon. Um, was he better than Anthony Edwards as Kermit in Hustle? <laughs> You've seen this movie? Yes, Adam Sandler. Anthony Edwards, I thought, was very good. Times. Yeah, he was really good. Is he better he than He made him? you hate him. Yeah, I think I would say, man, that's Mookie made you like him a lot as LeBron. I thought he was good, but I'm still going to go with Anthony Edwards because you really hated him by the end of the movie. What about Scoot, though? Is he as good as Anthony Edwards? Uh, well, Scoot's role, he didn't get enough on the bone to be able to say that because Anthony Edwards was a main character mm-hmm. in the movie. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards again. Okay, all right, he was very good. Uh, even just to be in that yeah. category. Did you hate him by the end of the movie? 
I kind of liked him more. Oh. <laughs> that speaks to the kind of dog I have in me. Yeah, I see that. I'll show you the x-rays. <laughs> no, nah, man, I thought he was just really good as an actor, and so he's such a fun player. Um, I hope Scoot is as good as Anthony Edwards. Maybe he can hit like that. All right, it's Wesson Walker. A couple more segments to go. We'll talk a little more Carolina Panthers conversation. We have a redraft for you. We have opposite edge rusher talk of Brian Burns. Still a lot more quick hits for the Carolina Panthers coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Here we go, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hit up that text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials, folks. Hit that follow button, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, Walker Mail now on Instagram. I think so. And it is. I I, I put it in. It, it is. I put you on the, on the store. How many followers do I have now? I had one person ask me about it on the text line. I have not checked yet, okay. but I'll check and I'll get back I don't even know to how to you on in. that. Uh, at Shroppy WFNZ on Twitter and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that follow button. Check out the content. We're bringing you everything you want to see. All right. Madden Heads. We know a lot of people love to play the John Madden football game every single season. So simulations are starting to come out about different players and what they can do. And uh, the algorithm likes Bryce Young because when they did the simulation for him in the season that he's going to have, well, it came out excellent. I think if uh, Panthers fans got this type of season, they'd be jumping for joy. So uh, he passed for 4,800 yards, just over 100 yards rushing, completed 69% of his passes, and had a 39 to nine quarter, uh, 39 to nine touchdown to interception ratio. Okay, so except for reference, Cam Newton completed just under 68% of his throws in 2018, and the former NFL. MVP boasted a 35 to 10 uh, ratio. I think this is from his MVP season, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, so the Madden algorithm loves Bryce Young. Is this fantasy or foolery that this could become a reality? What do you think, Wes? Come on now. (laughs) You tell me because you know where I'm going. It's a better question for you to answer. Do you think 4,800 yards, 39 touchdowns, and nine interceptions in year one for Bryce Young is fantasy or foolery? I'll ask you the same exact question as it is to me on the rundown. I say fanulery. You like that? Combine the two words right there? <laughs> Go <laughs> All right, so this is what I think. I think those numbers, they're definitely lofty. There's no question about that. But I'm also living in the world of what we're reading and saying that Jonathan Mingo is already looking like a guy that they can depend on. TMJ looking like the best deep threat in the league, according to PFF, as far as go routes are concerned. Then you have the dependable feeling. DJ Chark is also there. Hayden Hurst. Uh, we'll see if Miles Sanders can get back to being a threat out of the backfield. So I won't say that he can necessarily get these numbers because this would be absolutely nutso. But could he get to something in the ballpark of this? I think it could be if the young guys step up and, and, and show what they've been showing already in minicamp. I'll go that far, and that's why I say I'm kind of in between. I don't necessarily think he'll get to these numbers, and I'm not normally a, a fence rider, but I think he can get in the ballpark if a lot of things go his way. Uh, so what does ballpark mean? All right. 
So I say I go four grand, 34, 35 touchdowns, nine picks. So four grand is still a long way to go before you get to 4,800. It's a, it's a, it's a long way, but four grand is still pretty, pretty. Oh, it is. 69%, I think, is definitely in the ballpark of what I think he can do 69% completions. Okay. Okay. I don't, I would argue that 4,000 isn't even in the, in the ballpark of 4,800 because that's, that is a, that is a monster gap between. So they got the four at the front. You you do. <laughs> you do have the four at the front. But that's why I wanted to see how because four thousand is possible. I don't I don't I don't think he gets to four thousand. I think seventeen games is is an interesting conversation because you are talking about a lot of these guys that have reached four thousand. A few of them have done sixteen games in their rookie season. Andrew Luck played in sixteen. Yeah, I would blast the rookie record it, yards. Oh, I mean, Andrew Luck has it at 16 for 4,300. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert could have been on pace for 46 had he played in two more games. He, he only appeared in 15. So maybe Justin Herbert would have been on pace for something close, but he wouldn't even reached it. Even with Herbert's crazy numbers, he had 31 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. His rookie season was bananas with what he was able to do. So, yeah, this is fantasy, man, which is why I don't want to get anywhere close to say that he's going to get 4,800 yards. And then be disappointed if he only gets to 44. Or if he only gets to 4,000. Yeah. If he got to 4,000, it would be one of the better rookie totals that we've ever seen. If he goes 4K, 30 and 10, I am ecstatic. You should be. I am thrilled. So, no, I think this is going to be foolery. But what I Or fantasy and foolery. It's all of it. It's, it's not happening. <laughs> what I do think is, is possible is that he's going to allow this Carolina Panthers team to be better than what they were last year. To the point where I think it's a fantastic bet to have them win the NFC South. And even because of Bryce Young, not despite him, because rookie QBs are sometimes bad. A lot of times they're bad immediately making that jump. It's really tough. But I think Bryce Young is a good guy to do it. I think he's got a great situation around him. And I think it's okay to have lofty team expectations, maybe more so than him flirting with best rookie season of all time type numbers. All right. So uh, in the words of uh, the late DMX, here we go again. The Athletics 2021 NFL Draft Redraft has the Panthers taking Pat Sertan 2 over J.C. Horn. Do you feel like if this were the case today and Pat Sertan was the Panthers starting quarter cornerback, that this would be a lateral move? Or is Sertan the better player at this point regardless of? Of injury. I think Patrick Sertan has been a better player. I think injury is still holding J.C. Horn back. I think Carolina, I don't know if there's enough evidence to say, oh yeah, I'm I'm taking J, I'm taking Patrick Sertan 100 times out of 100 over J.C. Horn, mm-hmm. but Patrick has been very, very good in the last couple of seasons, and health does play a big part of it. Maybe you would take Sertan because you feel a little bit better about his ability to stay Yeah, and I was saying, do you think he's the better player regardless of the injury? Yeah, I think he is. I think right now he's shown probably more. But it's also also tough because J.C. has been great Mm -hmm. when he's on the field. So much of his beginning of his his career so far is – off of the field. I mean, even last year, the guy's banged up and he only played two and a half games his rookie season. Missed every single contest after that. So really, his whole career has been when he's on the field, he's very, very good. But when he's off of it, 
he's been or he's been off of it a lot and so it's really tough to try to figure out if he can actually have decent availability going forward yeah i think that when you look at passer too i just think the respect factor uh around the league to this point i think jc horn can get there but just when i look at games like the kansas city chiefs he only gives up one catch for 12 yards but only targeted three times by a quarterback as good as Mahomes. that tells me Mahomes. that tells me that he's gotten a lot of respect uh, in teams' locker rooms when they're looking at that film and seeing uh, what he can do. And then against uh, Mike Williams of the Chargers, zero catches, zero yards against him. And then only gave up four to 85 to Devontae Adams, which Devontae, you know, is a guy, he cooks a lot of people. So I think he's got the respect factor. The reason I bring up the lateral move aspect, because I think that I think they're both pretty good guys, and I think you'd be happy having either one. So that's the only thing that uh, made me think about this one. But I think at this point, Pat Sertan is the better player, but J.C. Horn's definitely going to have plenty of time uh, to make his case, especially if he can stay out of the training room. So we talked about Marquise Haynes earlier, strong minicamp that he is having. And so when you look at this new defense, they said a few guys are looking like new players out there in this Ezero Evero scheme. But looking at... Uh, Marquise Haynes and competing on that other side. Is he just a guy that the Panthers need? And maybe one of the reasons why they're not looking to the streets to go bring somebody in. It could be one of the reasons. Marquise Haynes, DJ Johnson, and Yitor Gross Matos are all guys that you're hoping can maybe give you, I don't know, can you get 30% production instead of going after Jadeveon Clowney and getting, you know what, 65% of the snaps out there. I don't know what kind of snap share that he would play, but he's one of the more prominent edge rushers to still be out there on the free agent market. Maybe Carolina is trying to take this with a committee approach opposite of Brian Burns. Maybe Marquise Haynes can give you a little bit more than you expected originally coming into this season because of Jero Averro does bring you a new defensive style. Maybe YGM did need different coaching. It wouldn't be crazy to think that YGM having spent the last couple of seasons with Matt Rule even though I liked Phil Snow enough as a defensive coordinator, it wouldn't be crazy to think that he does better with celebrated defensive coaching. So maybe these guys can take another step up. The problem is we're having this conversation about every player. Mm-hmm. And so realistically, not everyone is going to be better. YGM, DJ Johnson outperforming expectations, Marquise Haynes getting better offensively, TMJ, Jonathan Mingo, Jamie Robinson, Rajon Wright, Every single person we're talking about, not 100%, is going to perform better than the original expectation. So we have to have that in our mind. I, I think if I were to say, okay, who's least likely to do it? I do think we have a sample size of Marquise Haynes, knowing it is what it is with him. Maybe you can use him in getting more after the passer, but I just, at 6'2", 235, even if he gets more stout, right? Let's say that he gained 10 pounds of muscle. I don't know how much technique is going to be able to help you at that small of a size. And so Marquise, even if he gets better, you still understand what he is, even at the age of 30. This is why I want to take, you know, just smaller steps with the improvement of some of these guys, rather than saying all of them are going to have a career year. Yeah, when you look at him since 2020, he's got 12 sacks, six most by NFL players with less than 1,100 snaps played. And then you look at the pressures, he had 27 
of those last season. That puts him 35th in the NFL. So not bad considering uh, it just depends on, you know, how many backers you're talking. Not everybody runs that odd front. But he just looks like a guy that maybe might be able to add on to that sack total. And if he's gained some weight, might be able to have a little bit more of an anchor in the run game to be able to uh, help out. So another guy that's also been making a bit of noise in many camps was Raheem Blackshear. And this is a team in the Panthers that a lot of people felt like they might need to go find another back. And gadget backs, when you talk about uh, guys in Frank Reich's offense, tend to play pretty well. When you look at like a Naheem Hines and some of the smaller backs that tend to uh, come in and give you those quick cuts with those catches out of the backfield and different schemed plays for them. So do you think that he can make this offense more dynamic? And what do you feel like he can provide for the Panthers in 2023? He's probably their biggest specialist as a third down running back. Miles Sanders, you're hoping, can do more. You're not going to have that with Chuba Hubbard as much, even though I, I continue to give him credit for improving the second half of the season. I don't know if anybody's calling him a third down back, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, Raheem Blackshear is probably the guy you look at and say, yeah, he's their best pass catching option. If Miles Sanders doesn't show what he did his rookie season with Philadelphia. And I think he really benefited from them not bringing back a Deontay Foreman and them not drafting anybody in the selection process. Blackshear actually has a shot to come out here and provide some good snap share for you. If he is the mismatch in the backfield, then maybe he can provide a big impact. I think you brought up some good points with Frank Reich and having some of those guys before specialist in the backfield, even with Jonathan Taylor being able to do it all, you can still have some of those guys that come in and help you like a Naheem Hines and see state fans will know him. Well, did want to go to the text line real quickly. AJ wrote in LOL. I saw firsthand DJ dominate Sertan. Give me JC all day. This is the problem with the Sertan JC thing. We can go game for game mm-hmm. and we can all have plenty of evidence to suggest JC or Sertan is better. Copeland wrote in 4,800 is 8.33% higher than 4,000. Is that really an all-caps monster gap? Yes. Yes. No, it is. It is. It is. Think about how many people have thrown (laughs) for 4,800 yards in a season. It's it's not a ton. Oh, that's a lot. When you talk about game by game, I mean, eight hundred extra yards. Come on, yeah. this is this is what people do with the whole one thousand yard season thing for a wide receiver. When you go back and look at who did it last year, it was like twenty six, mm-hmm. twenty two, maybe it was even twenty two. But everybody's like, oh, Thielen can get a thousand. Everybody everybody can get a thousand. It's it, it's only sixty yards per game. That's doable. Yeah, but you're not accounting for some of the duds that really hurts your average. And so yes, it's still going to be. A big O. And then Copeland said, it's 20%. My error. I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I was about to say. And it seemed a little low when you wrote that in. 817 wrote, Walker's a Debbie Downer when it comes to anyone except Scoot Henderson. <laughs> like me saying. Give me some smoke today, dog. Like saying Bryce Young not being able to get 4,800 yards is Debbie Downer. By the way, the same person wrote in, oh, Michael Jordan was a failure when I was trying to mm. experiment. I was trying to say, hey. People, you know, he did a good thing in the community. This guy is trying to be. No, so you're the negative one. 817, mm. you are. Um, and those are a couple of the texts that we got in, by the way. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what some of these guys do. Because, again, there's always the, the training camp all-stars and guys that in the offseason show that they can do a lot of things. But when the pressure's on, we're going to see who's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, I think Blackshear can find a role in this offense because he would come in and provide the Panthers with 
uh, some plays as far as out of the backfield, catching the football. So I think he's certainly a guy that we can expect to see. I think he'll have a little bit bigger role this season. All right, let me ask you this way, because obviously nobody is going to – it's not going to be 100% hit rate across all of these guys. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. So if I were to give you a pool of players that will have the biggest gap from original expectation to where they finish the end of the season, here's your pool to choose from. TMJ, Jonathan Mingo, Mm -hmm. Raheem Blackshear, Rayshon Wright, Jamie Robinson – those are the five that I'll give you. I'll put DJ Johnson and Marquise Haynes in there. So there's seven. Okay. Mm. So those are seven guys. I gave you a mix of different positions, secondary opportunities, wide receiver opportunities from those seven players. Who do you think is going to be the one that says, okay, based off what we thought originally to where they're going to end the season, that is the biggest gap by far amongst everybody else in that category. I would go Jonathan Mingo to this point because I wasn't necessarily thrilled with that pick when they made it. And then just what you're seeing right now, it does seem like he's on the fast track to becoming a big contributor out there for the Panthers at wide receiver. Okay. Jonathan, Jonathan Mingo for you. I do think that's a good answer because if, if he's going to be flirting with number one numbers, I, I thought he'd be like fourth. Yeah, but Terrace is having a big time impact as well. I, I could see Rajon Wright too, just because he's the he's a, a cornerback. And if JC and Dante Jackson is hurt, how comfortable are you going back to CJ Henderson and Keith Taylor right now? So just because of opportunity, maybe it's Rajon Wright, your boy, coming in, and he's the guy that has the big old gap. Because even if we're talking about him, mm-hmm. he's not some household name among Panthers okay. fans. So this is what this was funny about what you said. I got some homework for you. Okay. To do something for me. I don't think this will be too time consuming. Go home, watch the last chance you. I've heard this before. With his school, uh, let me. Good Lord. Oregon State. No, no, no. But with his, uh, with his JUCO. Okay. Well, I'll, we can look it up. What's your, what's yes, your assignment? But I want you to in the first episode because my son kind of likes it because he likes to hear the cursing from the coaches. So we were skipping through watching some of them. Watch the first one. And inside of the first 20 minutes, they're going to do a nice bit on Rajon Wright. And just watch it there, and that'll give you a good idea of who he is and what he's about. I want you to check that out. You'll probably get sucked in and start watching the okay. whole thing. But uh, I want you to check that out. It's only 15, 20 minutes of your time. And let me know what you think. Okay. That's All right, Shrop. Let's get that last uh, Shrop it like it's hot of your tenure. Alrighty, so just a little College World Series update here. We have Stanford playing the Tennessee Volunteers right now. It is the middle of the second, and Stanford is up 2-0. to zero. Uh, Tennessee does have more hits. They have four hits. Stanford only has two. But this is an elimination game, so whoever loses this is packing their bags and going home for the season. Oh, well. I mean, like I said, the Deeks <laughs> already took care of Stanford, so not too worried about the losers. We're all about the winners over here in uh, Winston-Salem. Wake I, Forest is going to be aired, Diamond by the D. way, as soon as everything is done. Um, local programming, Wake yes. Forest will be on, I believe, at 7 o'clock. Tonight. Yes. Yeah, they'll, they'll be on at uh, 6.40 is when it starts. There you go. And I don't know. I think uh, going to LSU and Wake Forest, I think, I think LSU is a tough team. I think this is going to be probably the toughest challenge that Wake Forest has had. So far, so we shall see. All right, I sent some doubt for your Diamond right? Deeks over there with right. Shroppy. One more segment to go. He decided to drop that late in the process, and then he can just go ahead and exit for the rest of the week and then leave you with that bad take. All right, baby. Well, when we come back, we're going to close this thing down. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7. One more segment to go before we pass it on off to Kyle Bailey. I do have a, t- a tweet for you that's interesting. Justin Tinsley, part of ESPN, he quote tweeted um, David Steele's tweet. He said, around this time, 37 years ago, there was a Sports Illustrated article in a cover, and it was Death of a Dream, Len Bias. 1963 to 1986. I'm sure a lot of you know the story of Len Bias was drafted number two overall by the Boston Celtics. Unfortunately passed away. I believe it was due to an overdose because of that. And so he was gone and it was a huge what if because the team that drafted him in Boston was a 67 win team that drafted someone like Len Bias, who was one of the better prospects we had seen as the second overall pick led by back-to-back MVP Larry Bird. So you have Larry. You have that team drafting such a high, highly regarded draft uh, prospect in Len Bias. Is that one of the greatest what-ifs of all time? And if I ask you, as far as what-ifs go, what are some of the other what-ifs that you think are the, the most, the, the craziest out there? Man, I would say that's definitely a big one because you add him to that team. I mean, you add some of the old heads. A lot of them will swear to you that he was better than Mike and was going to be better than Mike. Yeah. So you talk about adding that caliber talent to the Boston Celtics, and that would have carried them for another eight to ten seasons. So uh, you look at that. I think about the Chris Paul Lakers trade. That's a good one. It could have been yeah. uh, at the time when that happened. You think about, oh, my goodness, the Hornets in the draft lottery. There's a million <laughs> what else We could start with this season. What if they would have gotten a one-pick Instead of the two pick, what would that look like? Uh, I mean, you could go to injuries. I mean, you think basketball, what a penny, Grant Hill, Brandon Roy. I mean, so many guys, so many different scenarios that you can point. Well, I mean, yeah, the the injury stuff is always. What if Brock Purdy never would have gotten hurt against Philadelphia? I think that is one of the what if the great what if debates of our time. (laughs) It all surrounds Brock Purdy. The Bo Jackson what if is also Ooh, very good. Yeah. That that's everybody's number one answer. Good one. Is the if you could give someone a clean bill of health or what if, whatever that question is, Bo Jackson is oftentimes the number one answer. This Len Bias thing though, you know, so dying of a cocaine overdose, the night that he's drafted, going to Boston, I mean it just would have would they have just run the league for the next decade even after that, even more so. Because when people talk about the best basketball teams of all time, They'll go to the KD Golden State Warriors. They were unstoppable. They'll also go to the 86 Celtics, who drafted Len Bias. Yeah. I mean, crazy. To add that kind of talent with an already star-studded team, it was absolutely insane. So, yeah, that would have been nuts. Number one overall pick, trivia question. Do you know who it was that year with Len Bias being number two? The NASCAR analyst. Brad Doherty. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brad Doherty, number one. North Carolina, he's the number one pick. Do you know who was third? NC State, Chris Washburn. I was about to. Did I ruin it? No, you did not. Because okay. I actually did a video about this on the ACC uh, Digital Network. Mm-hmm. You can go check out plenty of Lynn Bias footage if you're not familiar with that. Brad Doherty, all of that. I did a video uh, of all the ACC picks from that very draft. So all those guys mm-hmm. are in that pick. So here I we mean, are. Video. Here we are talking about draft lottery luck, non-luck for the Charlotte Hornets. I feel like this is going to be a what if moment on Thursday. We we could easily make it one, sure, because it's such a strong. You, there are plenty of scenarios you can bring into it. What if they would have drafted Brandon Miller? 
What if they would have drafted Scoot Henderson? A multiverse. What if they would have traded for Zion Williamson? What if they would have been able to get Brandon Ingram in return? There's many scenarios. I think a good what if is uh, what if the Seahawks just ran the ball? Oh, that, oh that, yeah. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch is still mad about that one. Yeah. And you know who's the most angry about it is Richard Sherman, who on those primetime, those Thursday night football games, that's all. I mean, he was so mad. He was his so face, happy. The, the meme of his face is after that is hilarious. Well, and so happy to see Russell Wilson struggle this past season yeah. is Richard Sherman. I mean, you talk about two championships and what that could have done for that team. And mm-hmm. it changed the course of that team's history once they lost that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same eight ones. Goody gumdrops. The same, <laughs> the same 817 number that was saying I was a Debbie Downer for everybody except Scoot. Huge Brandon Miller fan. Okay. Which is fine. He said, what if the Hornets pass on Brandon and he wins rookie of the year and is an all-star and a 10-time All-NBA player and all-star mm. 11 times? I don't know what this Dang. is that much. Yeah, an All-NBA player 10 times. Right. I'd imagine that wouldn't work out very well, 817. <laughs> Probably not a great what if. It would really hurt him if it they drafted be. Scoot and Brandon turned out to be one of the best basketball players of all time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, people. a lot of people would be looking at you with the side eye walking. It would. Well, look, and this is going to happen, too, if Scoot doesn't work out. We're just going to have to own it. Whatever camp you're on, yeah. you're just going to have to own it. And look, the name of the game, folks. I'm, I'm ready for it. Everybody has their misses. Everybody has. That's their why hits. you built for this, man. I look, and I used to not be. I mean, this <laughs> is this is big time draft anxiety talk because as I talked about too, you start to put yourself into this where you're not even so much in love with Scoot. Mm-hmm. You are now so far into this, you see yourself on that sure. body that Scoot Henderson has. Do your friends love to be able to get you and say that you are wrong about stuff because this is your profession? Because I know mine do. I don't, maybe they used to, (laughs) maybe they used to, I don't think they do so anymore because I know what it is because if you were going to get every prediction, right, then it's the classic. We'll just live in Vegas for the rest of our lives. You ain't lying about that. We just, you know, somebody thought we were good enough to talk about it and they hired us and we've been doing it. Yep. This is what we do. But if I knew for sure, then yeah, I'd be going ahead and putting a lot more money on it. Barkley say only God is an expert. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I ain't. Praise but the Lord I, for Tim Tebow. But I try to be. I yeah. try to be an expert. And I've done <laughs> enough research to know that I like Scoot Henderson. My dra- Here's my draft history real quickly. So first temper tantrum I threw was because they traded away SGA. I'll come out on top with that one. I think I was a big Devin Vassell fan. That was the LaMelo ball draft. Eventually, I came around on drafting LaMelo. I wanted to trade down and get mm. some picks. So I would have been wrong on that. My biggest miss is Zaire Williams so far. Loved Zaire Williams coming out of Stanford. Hasn't done a whole lot. Um, I did like Mark Williams. I like Jalen Duran more. Loved Mark Williams too. So we'll see what happens there. But my big miss is Zaire. So you can throw me out on that one. All right. That'll do it for Weston Walker. We have a nice little treat for you. It's the last day for Shrop. We appreciate you, man. You've done an excellent job. Thank We're going to miss you, even though you're still going to be a part and we'll still have you on every now and then. That's right. But this is going to be your last day in a row running the ones and twos. So we decided to leave you with this, the Shroppy send-off. Yeah, and then before we uh, get out of here, not to uh, throw us off of topic too much, but the Cleveland Browns got a new uh, official dog logo. It looks pretty cool. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. (laughs) I'm saying, you know, we like to to talk about that stuff, and I thought that was interesting. The Crunchwrap Supreme I always get, though, by the way. It's not a part of the value menu, but it's so good. I'm still going to roll with it. Oh, did you like uh, the nacho fries? 
They're good. I don't oh, get them. Those are gas. Those are gas. <laughs> yeah. With the sauce and the nacho. Oh, dude. Yeah, when oh. they put together, especially when they do a $5 box. Yeah. I think that's where they just value out their elite get. when they do $5 boxes. They give you so much food in those boxes. That's what I get every time. Yeah. We talked about this yesterday. It came up organically. I was shuffling through my Apple library and West Side Gun came through. She said, no, can't do it. And boop, I told her. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I know Flounder. Yeah, Flounder has one. Uh, she is apparently of the older sorts. I've heard she's around 78 years old. Oh, wow. But, you <laughs> know. No, I like it. He I, might he might be into that. I'm glad 704 brought that to our attention. It's always uh, guilt season. Um, okay, we're going to move on from that.